I'm in a series today, a new series called Rethinking Life, and I think it is so important as we look at Proverbs 23:7 to understand how powerful our thoughts are. Uh, thinking and the thoughts that we think, uh, I think Satan in these last days is really doing everything he can to destroy the mind. Proverbs 23:7 says this. Notice what it says in Proverbs 23:7. It says, "For as a person thinks in his heart, so is he." Watch that. As a person thinks in their heart, so are they. I like to say it like this: Where the mind goes, life goes. And so, what you're thinking is, is extremely important because those words that we're going to find out at the end of this message turn from, you know, light and, and life, and they could, but they can turn into darkness and destruction. I, I personally believe our our thoughts lead us into charting the course for every area of our lives and pointing us into certain directions and really ultimately determining our destination. All that in your mind. Our thoughts cause us to have certain attitudes and perspectives about things. They affect our relationships. They determine how productive we are in life in every single area. And our thoughts greatly actually influence the quality of our lives. And that's why I think this series for the next couple of weeks is so important to take the time to examine what you're thinking, the way you're thinking, and how your thinking connects to what you're speaking. Darkness cannot be present with light is present. So if dark thoughts are in your mind, then we need to illuminate those dark thoughts with the light of God's word and bring light to the situation so that darkness doesn't control your thinking and your speaking and eventually your doing. I want to bring you some faith statements today and simply statements that declare who you are, things for you to say. Again, your words are powerful. Uh, The first one is found in Philippians 4.13. It's this, I can do whatever I need to do through Jesus. If we'll look at Philippians 4.13 in the Amplified. We'll be reading a lot of verses of Scripture in the Amplified today, and I'm so thankful for us having that on the screen. Notice what it says. It says, I have strength for all things through Jesus who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who interfuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I believe there's a second part. Or there's a, is there more to that? No, that's it. Okay. I have strength for all things in him who empowers me. Watch this. I am ready for anything and equal to anything. Watch that. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through who? Through him. Everybody say through him. Who interfuses inner strength into me. I am sufficient in his sufficiency. I like to say it like this. How often, and I'm asking this question, how often do you say I can't? If you're faced with a situation, you're battling a situation, and you say the phrase, I can't, I can't, I can't. If you keep building that image on the inside of you, you're going to eventually come to the place where you can't do that. Miracles, I like this. Miracles come in cans. (laughs) I can do this. I can do that. It's just the opposite of I can't. But people will also come to a place where that I can't do this. They'll build that image and they'll have that thinking in them so long that it actually comes out of their mouth and then they're responding to that with I can't do this. I cannot do this anymore. And especially people that, you know, get older and, and our senior citizens have a real tendency to uh, be moved by what they feel instead of moved by what they believe. 
And I understand feelings. Feelings are very powerful. However, I'm here to say that God's word and God's faith in God's word is greater than feelings. And that what you say has a lot to do with how your body will respond. As it says up there clearly in Philippians 4.13, it says Jesus is our strength. And when you confess and when you speak over your life that he's the strength of your life, regardless of the pressure, regardless of the problems, you're bringing a supernatural dynamic into your life that people of the world don't have. Listen, we're different from the world in the world's ways. And the people of the world succumb to the pressure of I can't. But I'm not gonna succumb to that. I don't want you to succumb to that. We're gonna come to the fact that we can do through him everything we need to do in this life. If God called you to do something, he gives you the grace to do that. If he assigns you into that marriage as far as you believe that's his will, then there's a sustaining grace for that. The same thing with that job situation. The same thing with any other thing that he's called you to do, especially in your own career path. If you believe you're supposed to be working at that particular job, then there'll be a grace for that. If there's not a grace for that, then I would step back and reevaluate that situation. But if you're in a place in a situation where you know you're supposed to be, for example, I know where I'm supposed to be as far as what I do. I mean, I've been doing this 18 years as far as this church. I know I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. There's a grace for it. Does it, mean, does it make it easy? Absolutely, it does not make it easy, but it makes it peaceful. And knowing that you know that you know that you're in the place you need to be, even though life's turmoil will come to you and say, hey, you need to quit this or change that or do this or do that. I mean, it's easy to quit something. I understand that. The key issue is not quitting. The key issue is to continue going forward. And again, I'm not going to hear quote the Rocky theme. And I love what he said there when he was talking to his son, that life will hit you hard. It's not about how hard you can you know, hit, get hit, but how can you can take those hits and keep moving on. That's that's what life is about. And again, Satan's going to throw the kitchen sink at us here at the last days. He's not going to sit back and just allow this body of believers, as well as the entire church of Jesus Christ, to move forward and to destroy his works in the earth without him putting up a fight. That's just not the way that's going to work. We're going to see more persecution. We're going to see more opposition. We're going to see more things that come against you and I. However, that doesn't mean that we're to cower down and fold into it. We're to declare that, you know what, through Jesus, Jesus, I can do all things. Through him, I can stand and stand, having done all the stands, stand against these things and be an example, pattern, and model of a person who has faith in God that my life trusts him. And regardless of the pressure and the problems, I'm going to live in the peace of God regardless of what's going on in the world. Number two, number two, God loves you unconditionally. Notice what it says in Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians one, watch this. Ephesians one in the Amplified. Uh, thank you. Bring up the screen. It says, even as in his love, he chose us actually, watch this, picked us out for himself as his own in Jesus before the foundation of the world. Isn't that beautiful? That you were chosen before God begin at the very foundation of the world. I got a statement for you. I was in a conference yesterday. I heard this. It just, just blesses me. that The day you God created you, he had someone else in mind when he was creating you. Think about that. He had someone else in mind. You know why? Because you're not designed just to live for yourself. You're designed to help others. This life is not about you. He chose you for a divine purpose, for you to make a divine impact on this world. That no person is second class or you know, not just insignificant. Every single one of us are significant in the eyes of God. And he says that he chose you and I before the foundation, or watch this, that we should be holy, 
Wow. Consecrated, set apart for him, and blameless. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It says blameless. It says blameless in what? His sight, even beyond reproach, before him in love. Uh, you know, the love of God is the most amazing thing there is, in my opinion, in this earth. Because he gave his son, he gave his love, he gave his life, he gave his word, he gave his covenant, he gave his spirit, he brought all of this together, this assembly we have in churches all across this world, and the technology we have to bring the fact of the amazing, beautiful love that was before the foundation of the world, that God loved each one of us individually, has this supernatural ability, if we all left this facility, which we will, we all went and started praying to him individually, he would take the time to hear every single one of us give us direct attention and want with all his being to meet our every need and care about the utmost detail of our life. That is amazing to me. You talk about unconditional love. Isn't that beautiful? And yet so many times we try to box him in religion. We try to box him in in performance. That we try to do it our way and try to submit to our own reasoning. And it just doesn't work. Our relationship with God isn't based on personal performance. It's based on what Jesus has already done for us. And you got to remember something that's very powerful and beautiful. God is never mad at you. Disappointed? Maybe. I don't even know if I could say that. Because look what it says here in 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Notice what it says here in 2 Corinthians 5.21. You got it quicker than I do. Thank you. For our sake, he made Jesus virtually to be sin who knew no sin for us, so that in him and through him, we might become endued with and viewed as being in and examples of the righteousness of God. Well, look at that. Just, just pause that. Oh, I mean, keep going. You're right. For we ought to be approved and acceptable in right relationship with him by his goodness. Go back to the first part of that verse. Thank you. That's what it says. That in him, who Jesus was made to be sin through us, that, that through him, we would be viewed as right standing with God. I'm telling you what, that just, it, just, it, it continually humbles me, the fact that how much he loves me and how much he is for me. Romans 8, 31 says this talking about God wanting only the best for you. Romans 8, 31, watch this. What shall we say then to all these things? And it's listing those things in chapter eight. If God is for us, let's say those together, those words together. If God is for us, who can be against us? One more time. If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh my gosh, that, what a powerful, powerful song that is. I'll never forget back in the 1980s, I was uh, in charge of a production company as I was working for this church and we were doing this tour with DeGarmo and Key. And this is a long time 80s band, Christian band. Uh, one of the members is in heaven now. But anyway, Dana Key, precious man of God. But they wrote a song about that. If God be for us, who can be against us? And every night I would enjoy hearing that song over and over and over and over again. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for you, who could be against you? If God is for you, what can be against you? And when you stand believing that, that God is for me, he's not mad at me, he loves me, he wants to help me, he wants only the best in my life, then I can do what's set before me. I can be that husband, I can be that father, I can be that parent, I can be everything that I need to be. I can work this job and handle the pressure of this job situation in the peace and the power and the provision of God. That even though I may have had a stumble or a fall or this, that, or other this week, week, I know that the grace of God is more than enough. Everybody say more than enough. More than enough to help me through this situation. 
that yes, what Satan and what others and what the world meant for my destruction, I am gonna see the grace of God turn it around and flip it around and I'm gonna trust him to bring me from this place to a better place because Jesus Christ is good and he hung on the cross not just for eternal life but this sin-sick world right now that we live in. God did not cause us, call you and I to live on this earth and endure it. He said in John 10, 10 that we're to have abundant life. Does that mean prosperity? It does. Yes, it does. But it also means something that money can't buy, and that is peace and enjoying your life. I mean, time moves fast. I am going to be 60 years old at the end of this year. It moves fast. It moves quick. And if you're not going to enjoy your life, if you're just going to endure it and hope that when I get to this certain status in life, then you're missing out on enjoying each day. That's one thing I am turning myself back and saying, hey, I am going to enjoy my life regardless of the pressure, regardless of the problem, regardless who's in the White House, regardless of what Congress does, regardless of the fact that the United States of America is in a $37 trillion deficit this week, I am going to learn to love my life and could care less about who did this and who did that. And if Satan wants to act like an idiot, go ahead and act like an idiot. But every day that I wake up means one day's closer to him being thrown in the pit of the bottomless pit forever, and he will burn in eternity. And anybody wants to follow him, go right ahead, join him. I'm not going to join him. I'm going to live for Jesus, and his life is the life I want to live. And even though this earth may not be what I want it to be, one day the new Jerusalem will come here, and it'll be as beautiful as it'll be, and the Cowboys will win Super Bowls every year, and life will be better. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> Number three, you better, <laughs> moving right along. Anyway, Jerry Jones, I love you in spite of it all. All right, number three, I will not allow fear to control my thinking. This is a very important verse of scripture because so much fear is pressing into the earth. Satan is pushing fear. He's pushing everybody to be afraid, pushing people to be afraid of the economy, afraid to go to a doctor, afraid to do this, afraid to do that, afraid to get married. We got people now, I don't want to be married, we're just going to live together. No, 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 that's not God's best. No, it's not God's best at all. It's not God's best for you to live in fear concerning any area of your life. Look at 2 Timothy 1.7. Amplified Bible again. Y'all excuse me for using the Amplified Bible. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice or craving and cringing and fawning fear. Watch this though. He's given us a spirit of power, of love, of a calm, well-balanced and disciplined and self-controlled manner of thinking. You and I have that. And we shouldn't allow anything to take it from us. You say, Pastor Brian, the pressure is coming on. Well, you've got to fight pressure with promises. You've got to fight pressure with power. You just can't take it and take it and take it. You've got to fight back. June 6th is coming up this week. And it's important to me every year. June 6th, the celebration of it, not in the fact that Americans died, but the fact that the allied forces together as one said enough is enough and we are going to charge and take back Europe and we are going to defeat Nazism and bring the world back to peace. And sometimes you just have to have your D-Day experience where you have to hit the beach and just plow forward and believe and trust God that you have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit, notice what it says, of power. And that power belongs to you as a child of God. 
And we're going to talk more clearly on how to get that power out of your mind and out of you, into your mouth and into your life because fear, number one, wants to control your life. Fear wants to dominate your control life as far as controlling everything you say and do. And we can't allow that as believers. And I want to help you as a pastor. Sheila wants to help you. Anything we can do to help you because, listen, when you choose not to be afraid, you're actually following a biblical pattern. Look what it says in Joshua 1. 8 through 9. This is one of my favorite verses of Scripture concerning fear. Watch this now. This is God speaking to Joshua when he's taking over from Moses. You think being the president of the United States or a leader of a country is not a lot of responsibility. He is. But look what God said to him at the moment of his response. He said, this book of the law, the word of God, watch this, and it's for every believer today, shall not depart out of your what? I can't hear you, Sergeant Carter used to say. Out of your what? Ah, mouth, but you shall meditate or think. Everybody say think. Think about it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in. Watch this. If you'll do this, now look what it says here. If you'll do this one thing, if you'll have the discipline to do this one thing on a daily basis, watch this. It says, for then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. Isn't that an awesome promise? Look at verse nine. It gets even better. Verse nine, watch this. This is God speaking now. Have I not commanded you? Question mark. Look what it says here. Watch this, believers. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid or deep or be dismayed. For, you're the, for the Lord your God is where? He's with you wherever you go. Isn't that an awesome promise? Goes back to if God be for me, who can be against me? Listen to me. Faith in God is greater than any single fear in your life. When you have faith in God, when you believe and trust him, regardless of the pressure and the problem that you're facing, even the mountain that you're facing, ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, I give you my solemn commitment into the word of God as far as if he promised it, he'll perform it. Faith in him will absolutely always turn a situation around. Does it happen overnight? No, it does not sometimes. Yes, there is miracles that happens instantly, and sometimes there's just supernatural things that take a process of time. Number four, number four. Let's just review them real quick before we go into the fourth one. Number one, I can do whatever I can do. Excuse me. I can do whatever I need to do through Jesus. Number two, God loves you unconditionally or loves me unconditionally, loves us unconditionally. Number three, simply this, I will not allow fear to control my thinking. I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow it. You have to speak to fear. You have to speak to those things that are pressuring you. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first things that come out of your mouth? I, my first words are, it is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And this day is going to be better than yesterday in Jesus' name. I say that every single day. Instead of reaching for my phone and saying, oh me and oh this and what's happening here and what's happening there. I, I just choose, I choose faith over fear. I choose it. Notice this, the next one, it says, the, the fourth one is, I am difficult to offend. Psalm 19, watch this, Psalm 119, and this is in the New King James 165, watch this. It says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. What does that mean, Pastor Brian? It means simply this, that you refuse to take the bait of offense. Satan will every single time try to get you offended. He will every single time to get you misunderstood in a situation. Or what is that person thinking? Sometimes we have to just really address the situation. Either we need to communicate with the person 
or get an understanding of the situation, but Satan will every single time take a misunderstanding and take it to another degree if we allow him to. He has the bait of offense, if you allow me to say that. He's setting you up to be offended. But if you refuse that, if you choose to walk in love, if you choose to believe the best for every single person, I promise you, let God deal with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 in the Amplified. Watch this. And thank y'all for doing a great job with these screen scriptures. It says, love endures. I realize this is a lot of scriptures, but again, I wanted the Amplified Bible, and I wanted to show you a lot of what the Bible says, not what I say. Love endures long and is patient. By the way, if you never read this love chapter, as we call it, in the Amplified Classic, it's really good. Love endures long, it's patient, it's kind. This is 1 Corinthians 13. Watch this. Love never is envious nor boils over jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself hauntingly. Watch this in verse number five. It's not conceited, arrogant, or inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, watch this. God's love in us, everybody say God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or own ways. Watch this. This gets even better. Verse six. For it's not self-seeking, touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Look at this. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Here it is. Here's the key. It's ever ready to believe the best, the best for every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances. It endures everything without weakening. And it says, finally, love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Watch that. It believes the best for every single person. I like to say it like this. Of course, I give all the credit to President Ronald Reagan, but sometimes you got to purpose to, listen to this, purpose to simply disagree agreeably. Sometimes you're in a situation where you have to believe the best or you want the best for someone and someone's disagreeing with you or not seeing it the way you're seeing it. And sometimes you, uh, you could be in the right truly and they could be in the wrong. I'm not saying that's always the case, but let's just say that they are in the situation you're truly in the right and they're in, and they're in the wrong. But you just need to agree disagreeably and let it be at peace. Because sometimes it takes people's time to see things. It takes times for hearts to change. It takes times for deception to come off people's eyes. And don't hit your spouse and don't be thinking about your spouse. You know, say, well, yeah, you know, when she'll, she'll know that I'm the man or woman. They, when they listen to me, everything will be all right. Now, I understand that. But sometimes, you know, we don't clearly see everything. We don't clearly understand everything. And uh, I love what President Reagan, of course, what President Reagan uh, used to live by is so needed in Washington, D.C. today, but it's lacking. But to have the ability to disagree agreeably. And that, to me, is where you refuse to give bait to offense and be offended in life. Because when people are offended, they get isolated. When they get isolated, Satan comes in and he uses self-pity and uses a whole bunch of other things to get people into a direction and into a way that they're not supposed to go. And ladies and gentlemen, that's dangerous when you get into those situations. Now, let, me tell you, let me close with this. This is not necessarily a scripture up there, but if they could or they would, we'll go to Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Mark chapter 11. In verse 23. I just want to close with this, that thoughts be eventually become words. What you're thinking, this is the whole point of the message, that thoughts eventually become words and words carry life or death. And when those words transition from being thoughts to words, 
Like, for example, at the beginning of the message where I talked about you can't do this and you can't do that. When you start thinking that and you start saying that, it's actually releasing a spiritual law. Romans 8, 12 says that Jesus has made us free from the laws of sin and death. There are, there are laws spiritually, especially with the power of our words. And so many times we don't realize that as believers. A lot, a lot of churches and pastors teach the law of spiritual word power like I do. I've been doing it for 18 years now. We'll never back off. But how important your words are. And I go back just briefly to the example simply of this, of Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said over and over during the entire pressure of the Civil War, and by the way, if you're a student of history like I am, I've been to the Abraham Lincoln Library several times in Springfield. I've walked where he walked. As a matter of fact, I've been at the White House and I stood at the very tree that he used to go out to and stand underneath. I was out there one time that Doug Weed uh, allowed me to, or, or got it approved for me to go there for a particular meeting under the Bush administration. I was standing next to that tree thinking about President Lincoln and what the thoughts going through his mind and the pressure of the Civil War bearing down on him at that time. And he said over and over that at the end of this war that he was going to die, that he would die when this war was completed. And look what happened. Within one week after the surrender at Appomattox with General Lee, what happened in one week? Abraham Lincoln passed away. You said, Pastor Brian, he's just saying words. No, when you say things over and over and over again, especially in the pressure, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, can you imagine the pressure that man was under as our leader, that our nation was divided brother against brother? What a horrible position that he was in. But again, he said that, and unfortunately, it came to pass. Let's bring it into reality in our, in our time frame. What about Elvis Presley? Elvis Presley, his mom died when she was uh, 46 years old. Elvis said over and over and over and over and over and over again that he would not live past the age of his mother. He kept saying that. He kept saying that. And he kept saying that. Look what happened to Elvis. He died at 42. You say, Pastor Brian, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Look what it says here. Not, don't believe me, believe Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, Most for surely I say to you that whoever says to this mountain or to this problem or to this situation, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart or his thinking, but believes those things which he says will be done what does it say at the end of that verse of Scripture? He will have whatever he what? Thinks, says. Because what you think eventually becomes what you say. And if what you say is what you've been thinking, and if you keep saying it, you're setting in motion the wrong thing. This is a principle of faith, what Jesus was saying, to work actually to bring to pass good speaking to the problem. However, unfortunately, these two precious people who were with the Lord, Abraham Lincoln and Elvis Presley, they loved the Lord. They were sincere in their faith towards him. These were good people. But they allowed spiritual ignorance and spiritual law to work against them. And today, I just want to reflect and take a moment for us to pray and, and reverse any words 
You know, and we have to be careful sometimes that we suppress things and, and say things that we shouldn't. And I listen, I'm not talking about, you know, if you hit your hand and you say something you shouldn't say, well, we need to work on that too. <laughs> you know, all of us need to work on that. And, uh, and again, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you got to watch that principle too. But seriously, if you're saying dangerous things like that, if you're thinking dangerous things, well, I'm just never going to make it to 80 years old, or I'm never going to do this, or you know what, I'm, I just hope I'm not like Grandpa and don't get killed in a car accident, but I probably, I probably will. <laughs> well, you know what, that's, that's, not, that's not funny. Actually, it's spiritually stupid. Actually, it's dangerous. Actually, it's deadly. You say, well, I'm just joking, you know, I'm just joking, Pastor Brian, you know. Well, no, no, it, it's, it's not. We, we need to laugh, we need to have a good time, and we need to laugh at life, but we need to not say things that would set spiritual laws in motion. Because unfortunately, we could have used Abraham Lincoln's life a lot longer past the Civil War than we had him. And to, you know, I don't know about you, Elvis Presley, if he'd have been alive today, can you imagine? Wow. Nobody sings how great they are than Elvis. Nobody. But he didn't deserve, in my opinion, to die at 42 years old, but he did. But unfortunately, that's what happened. But you and I don't have to allow those things to happen.